Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. I think I've told you everything I need to tell you. Let's jump into this brand new series. So we're starting a new series today called Uphill Habits. And since it's the beginning of the year, I wanted to take a time and do some examination of ourselves because I know that many of you have goals. Likely many of you have um, made some New Year's resolutions. How many of you guys made New Year's resolutions? Hands up. Oh, I'm only going to get a few people to participate. Hands up. Come on, let me see if you made a New Year's resolution. Of those of you that keep them up, if those, of those of you that made one, how many of you have already broken them? Put your hands down if you've already broken them. Oh, so there's only a few of you that have, that have, that have uh, made it. All right. Well, congratulations to those of you. But many of you have goals for this year, and it's important for you that you look at the habits that you have in your life because it will ultimately impact your habits. What you may not realize is that the habits you have in your life also impact you. Aristotle said this, we are what we repeatedly do. I'll say it this way. We form our habits, and then our habits form us. And that's important that you understand that. That's why it's important that we start the year off with healthy new habits. Now, we call this series Uphill Habits because most people in their lives, they have what's known as uphill hopes and downhill habits. Most people have uphill hopes and downhill habits. See, hope is what gets you started on a journey, right? All right, I want to lose weight this year. All right, I want to get my finances fixed. All right, I want my marriage healthy. I have hope that something can change, and that's great. That'll get you started, but hope doesn't sustain you. So we have these uphill hopes, but we have these these habits in our lives that, that are downhill habits. And so we need some hope. Many of you need hope here today that your year is going to be different. So here's, let me tell you something. If you want a different year, take the challenge that we offer here as a church. We ask you, go all in with us. Spend a year. Give a year of your life and go all in. Be here every Sunday that you can be here. Join a group. Get on a team. Complete the growth track. Do all that we do, and I promise you, I guarantee it, that after one year, if you give it that time, your life will change. And we need hope. We need hope. So I'm giving you that guarantee so that you have some hope. It's not going to be easy to do this, to make these changes, though. Because if it was easy, wouldn't everybody be doing it? Everybody would do it. The fact is, and most people choose what is easy, and that's the downhill habits. But God's ways are challenging. They're doable. But the good news is that if you, if you join in with God, if you do things his way, he adds his power to what you're going to do. It's going to take some intentionality. And you need to know this, though, that everything worthwhile is uphill. Everything that's worthwhile is uphill. And many of us, we don't have uphill habits. We have downhill habits. We do things the easy way, and we have these uphill hopes. And what we need to do is flip that dynamic. We need to have uphill habits that are deliberate, intentional, and worthwhile habits. And it's going to be work, but God's going to help you, so don't be discouraged. And so today, we're going to, talk, we're going to begin in this series, and we're going to talk about four biblical habits that if we apply, our lives will change. 
So here's what you need to do. Some of you are already pushing back. We're talking about making changes in your life, and you're already pushing back a little bit because you like to hold on to your excuses. Some of you, the resolutions that you made last year around this time, you're making the same ones this year. And you're looking at your life going, well, this is just who I've always been. This is who I'm just going to always be. And you want to hold on to your excuses real tight, like this one guy. He was driving down the road, and he was kind of swerving all over the place, and the police pulled him over, said to him, sir, we need you to get out of your car. We're going to have to give you a breathalyzer test. And the guy said, you can't do that. The officer just said, why not? He said, well, I'm an asthmatic. If you give me that test, I'm likely to have an attack and die here on the highway. And the officer said, fine, we'll have to take you down to the station. We'll give you a blood test. The guy said, well, you can't do that. The officer said, why not? He said, well, I'm a hemophiliac. If you poke me, I might bleed out in your station. You don't want that. The officer said, fine, we'll give you a urine test. And the guy said, you can't do that. He said, why not? He said, well, I'm a diabetic. You're not going to get a good read. The officer said, fine. See this straight line right here? I need you to walk it. He said, I can't do that. The officer said, why? The guy said, because I'm drunk. Some of you are like that guy. You want to hold on to your excuses instead of moving forward. So let's get rid of our excuses, all right? Let's get rid of our excuses. Let's go on a journey with God's help and make 2019 be the best year yet. Amen? Anybody up for that? I'm up for that. Now, let me tell you, as we go on this journey, there's, there's three things you need that I know you need in order to take this journey, for, many, for, for you to even get on board and to be part of it. The first thing that you need is hope for the future. I would say there's many of you here that are hopeless today. You, you, you feel like, man, my life can never change. It can't be any different. My marriage is so broken. My finances are beyond repair that, that I'm emotionally tattered and torn. Uh, I, 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 I can't do it. I've tried and failed over and over again, and, and, you've, and you've lost hope. And if you're here today and you're hopeless, I want to give you just a little bit of hope. Because my favorite part of any story in the Bible or in real life goes like this. Whole bunch of drama, whole bunch of mess, and then what happens? You see a butt. I like reading a story in a Bible and seeing a butt. Because you know what that butt is always followed by? God. Is always followed by God. Mess, 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 but God. And, and I like that. And that, that, the fact that God can step onto the scene of your hopelessness can be hope for you. And there's so many stories throughout the Bible. The one I want to share with you is from John 4. Jesus and his disciples and his mom had just been at a wedding. It's where Jesus did his first miracle, turning water into wine. And they're now traveling home. And they ha- the Bible says that he had to go through Samaria, which would be weird for Jews because the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. The Jews considered the Samaritans a half-breed. They didn't speak to them culturally or publicly at all. They didn't, they didn't affiliate or associate with Samaritans. So for Jesus to have to go through Samaria was a strange thing. And yet he does, and it comes to the part of the journey Jesus is exhausted they all forgot to pack some food, or they run out of water at this point, so he sends the disciples off to, to, to McDonald's to get a Happy Meal for him, and, and, and Jesus is totally chilling by this well, but he doesn't have a bucket to get himself a drink, and he's exhausted, and this woman comes along, and Jesus starts talking to her, 
She's a Samaritan. So it's really odd to her because Jesus is Jewish and she's a Samaritan. And culturally, the men didn't speak to women that way. So she's totally taken back. And they begin to have a conversation. And Jesus looks at her and says to her, hey, go get your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus starts reading her mail. He goes, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the man that you're with now, that you're shacked up with now, he's not your husband. She had met and been with six different guys at this point in her life. That's some water under the bridge. That's some baggage. That's a mess. That's probably some hopelessness that she's in. Because everywhere she's walked has been, has been nothing but pain and brokenness. Every relationship she's been in. And the guy she's with now isn't even her spouse. And, and Jesus says, go get him. She's like, I, I don't have one. And he, and he tells her. And then Jesus speaks this to her in the middle of her pain. This is where her story turns into a but God. Jesus says to her in John 4.10, he says, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink. And I just want to tell you today, in the middle of your hopelessness, if you're here today and you're hopeless that, that, any, that this thing in your life could ever change, if you only knew if you only knew the generosity of God, if you only knew what he wanted to do for you, you would ask for a drink. Last year around this time, we have a couple in our church that, uh, that they'd been attending here for a couple years, and he was all in, but she was kind of holding back. And through the process of time and children, Somehow along the way, their, their marriage, they started to drift apart. They'd forgotten why they loved each other. And it was in, in this time that the husband decided he was going to go ahead and he was going to go ahead and go. He wanted to be loved. He wanted to be in a marriage that was happy, and, and he just wasn't. And despite encouragement from me, like, this is not the right thing that you want to do, he, he left his family. And in the middle of that hopelessness, I talked to his wife, and she's like, I just don't understand. And I said, you know, we have to trust God and, 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 and be patient and wait. You know, because patience isn't just about waiting. You know that, right? It's about what you do while you wait. And I, and I just encouraged her. I was like, you know what? I, I know that this is difficult, but I, I think the best thing for you to do is to, is to get plugged in. I think it's, the best thing for you to do is get into a group, get some support, make some friends, make some relationships. If you're not reading your Bible, start reading your Bible. Like I invited her into all the things that I invite you into on a regular basis, and, and she did it. And here's what's amazing to me. It didn't happen immediately. It took some time. But her husband, who was, seemed to be getting further and further and further away from her, happened to get tricked and invited into a, a Bible study on a Friday night. And God got a hold of him. And because she was walking the journey, because she found hope, God restored that marriage. And let me tell you something now. That marriage is firm. They prioritize their relationship. They prioritize dating each other. They prioritize time with their family. They say no to all kinds of things to protect that. God has not only restored that, but he's re renewed and placed a calling on the husband's life. And, and now he's moving towards that. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't know what your situation is. I don't know how hopeless it is. But God... And you need, if you need some hope today, you can trust that if you only knew what God had in store for you, you'd ask. 
Look at this verse that I know you're very familiar with. Because I'm inviting you to go on this journey with me. Take the year and, and go with me. To do these uphill habits that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you. Now this is God, and he's talking to the Israelites, and they're in the middle of exile. In other words, they were captured, dragged off to another land. Many of them were slaves. And in the middle of that pain, God is speaking to them, saying, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, which, which had to be awesome to hear. In the middle of their pain, plans to give you hope and a future. And many of you need hope for your future today, so I'm encouraging you. Give it another shot. That's the first thing you need for this journey. Second is you need repentance from the past. You're going to need a course correction. You're going to need to change some things in your life. See, God doesn't do that for you. He lays out the path and says, this is my best for you. It's your choice whether you walk this or not. We need to, to do some repenting. All of us, every single one of us has areas in our lives that we can repent from. Now, most of you, if you know this word, there's some pushback on it because it's like a bad word. It's a dirty word, right? But I'm here to tell you that if you think the word repent is bad, you need to change your thinking on it because the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads you to do that. Repent just literally means turn around, to go a different direction, to, to find another way. And we all need to do that. I spend time with a lot of guys in recovery. And, and, and to me, I, I love them. They're champions to me. They're such an encouragement to me because they're literally fighting for their lives. They're fighting for their relationships. And I love being around them. I love it. I love it. I love it. But I've learned a lot about what it looks like to course correct, to actually repent. And if you spend time around them, there's, there's something they'll tell you. It's called my story in five chapters. Here's how the story goes. I went for a walk. I fell in a deep, dark hole, and it took a long time to get out. It's chapter one. Chapter two, I went for a walk. I fell in a deep, dark hole, and it took a long time to get out. Chapter three, I went for a walk. I saw that hole, but as I was looking at it, I got a little too close to it, and I fell in. And it took me a long time to get out. Chapter four, I went for a walk. I saw the hole, and this time I walked around the hole and kept going. Chapter five, I went down a different road. I wasn't walking where the holes were anymore. <laughs> Trust me, talk to every recovering addict, and they will tell you that's the course. And many of us, we live our lives in chapter one through four. Where we see the hole, we fall in. Or we see the hole, and we're, we're constantly walking around the holes instead of doing a course correction and just choosing another road. That's the best thing that you and I can do. We need to go another way. Stop walking the same way. Paul said this about himself in Philippians 3. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Which, by the way, is kind of a bummer for Paul to be saying this, to confessing. Like, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We need a different pathway. We, we got to find a different way to do things. And I'm, I'm here today just inviting you on that pathway. Our pathway at this church is simple. We say, give us a year, commit to being here every Sunday, commit to finishing the growth track, get on a team, join a grow group, be, in, be involved. Because honestly, what, what do you really have to lose? 
You have everything to gain and nothing to lose by taking the journey. And I promise you that your life will be much different this year if you'll go on the journey with me. So you're going to need a little hope to go on the journey. You're going to need to repent from some things. And the last thing you're going to need to do the journey is formation of uphill habits. You're going to have to decide some new habits, a new way to be. And, and not just what the world tells you to do. I mean some biblical habits, the things that we're going to call the uphill habits. It's going to take some work, but God's going to be on our side, so don't stress about it. And look at this verse. Again, this is Paul. This is Romans 12, too. He says, fix your attention on God. This is the, the goal of this year, is to take your life and take everything in it and point it towards God. Kind of like your living room. What's everything in your living room pointed at? The TV. So it's like, let's take everything in our life and situate it like our living room and point it towards God. So let's fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Now listen, many of you, you want to go from the outside in. Before you come to Jesus, you want to get thing, everything together. Said, well, I'm not, I'm not right enough. I, I, I still cuss. I love Jesus, but I cuss a little, and I'm just not sure I can go to a church, or I, I don't have everything perfect, so let me go ahead and get myself clean before I come to Christ. Or, and, and let me tell you something. If you were able to do that on your own, wouldn't you have already done it? Many of you have the ability and the strength and the sheer grit within yourselves to course correct or behavior modify for some time. But let me tell you something. Behavior modification is just like your willpower. It's a commodity. It's going to run out at some point in time. You don't change from the outside in. You need to encounter somebody who'll change your heart from the very inside so that your outside begins to reflect what's going on on the inside. That's the only way to have sustained life change. I didn't mean to get all preachy. I apologize. Let me go back. Come back. <clears throat> Readily recognize what he wants from you, and I'm going to help you with that, and quickly respond to it. That's on you. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings, out, brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That's my job is to help you understand what well-formed maturity looks like and to see it developed in you. God's going to do that for you if you'll follow where I'm leading you this year. If you'll join me on this journey, I want that for you so that next time, next year at this time, you look at your life and you don't recognize who you are because God's changed you from the inside out and formed a maturity in you that is different. So let's make that our goal this year. Let's go on the journey and let's establish these habits. So here's habit number one. Over the next four weeks, I'm going to lay out these, these four habits for you. All this has just been the setup. You're like, my God, he's still going to go on? Yes, I am. Welcome to it. Here's habit number one. Focus on what I do first. Focus on what I do first. The first thing is important. It's actually the most important thing. It tells me a lot about you. And the principle of first runs all throughout the Bible. You'll see it everywhere. It's important. Your pr the, this principle of priorities will show me, like what you prioritize in your life tells me what's most important to you. It, it, it does that. And it also does this. You also need to understand that the principle of, of the first, whatever you give priority to, you're also gaining power from that or giving power to that in your life. 
Let me say it this way. That, that first thing show a lot about you. That, that if you will take time and put God first in your life, that everything will shift. That everything will change. So I want, I, I want to say, focus on what I do first. And there's three ways to live this out, out this habit. First is put God first. If you put God first in your life, you'll have a completely different year this year. I promise you. And I'm going to share a little bit of a hard truth with you because many of you think that, that it's okay just to have God somewhere on your list of priorities. That you go, well, my family is number one, getting my career and my, and my, and, 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 and my, my fantasy football league, and you, you've got a whole list of things, but God's somewhere on that list. And you're like, I'm good. Can I just, just tell you something hard to hear? If God's not number one on that list, then God's not in your life at all. And I don't mean to be harsh with you. I just mean to tell you that God won't play second fiddle to anything or anyone. He won't, he, he's not going to be second to your marriage. He's not going to be second to your children. You say, Aaron, that's really hard to hear. I understand that. But God is God, and this is what he expects. And in fact, what God expects from us, he also modeled for us. Because not only does God expect us to put him first, but he put us first. He put us first by giving us Jesus. He sent Jesus to this earth, his firstborn and only son to this earth, to be brutally murdered and pay the price for our sins, past, present, and future. <coughs> and as a result, you and I get forgiveness, eternity in heaven, God's blessed life here on this earth. We get all that because he put us first. And in response to that, he expects us to put him first. So we need to do that. That's, that's the one thing he expects from us is to be first. Do you know Christianity is not attending church here at Simple Church on Sunday mornings? It's not completing the growth track. It's not being on a team. It's not, it's not giving a, a homeless vet a meal or some money. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is rearranging your life so that God is number one on that list. That's what Christianity is. God has to be first. Check out the first four words of the Bible and let this sink in. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God. He's first. Sarah, maybe you're taking that a little out of context. Maybe so, but I, ho I hope you understand that God is always first. Let this be your life mantra for the year. Make God first. We look at the Ten Commandments that he gave us. God's also first in the Ten Commandments. I'll show it to you. Exodus 20 says, And God spoke all these words. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other lowercase g gods before me. Now that lowercase g gods means passions. Things that you love. In other words, God's okay that you love things. He's just not okay that you love it more than him. It's okay to love your, your, your soccer and your sports ball or whatever it is that you play. <laughs> it's okay that you love your Netflix shows. It's okay that you love your spouse and your kids. It's even okay that, that, that you, you, you love the things that you have in your life. It's not more than him. 
He won't take any place other than first in your heart. So let 2019 be marked by this principle, that in the beginning, God, put God first. Second, second way we can live this out of putting, putting God first is give God the first of everything. Now, a lot of pastors will talk about this principle, and the reason that they talk about it is ultimately to get money out of you, which I don't think they're doing it in a wrong way. I don't think they're doing it with an evil heart. They're ultimately doing it so that they can build their churches and, and expand the church so that they can reach more people far from God. I don't think it's a bad thing that they're doing. They just use it for this purpose, but I don't think giving God the first of everything is necessarily about money. I think it includes money. I don't think it's the most important part of it. In fact, tithing is typically taught wrong. When I talk about tithing, yes, you understand that tithing, it means, tithe means a tenth, which means 10%. And God gave a percentage so that everybody could play, so that it wasn't a particular dollar amount, because not everybody could afford a particular dollar amount. <coughs> but he made it a percentage so that everybody could play, but the most important part of it isn't even the money. It's the prioritization. It's the first. I talk about tithing. It's first and 10. It's like where you want to be on a football field. First and 10, right? It's important. He's saying like before you pay your bills, before you put money in your savings account, before you buy groceries, before you spend any of that, that he becomes first. But it's not just about your money. There's actually a bigger picture here that God is after. In Leviticus 27.30, he says, I want a tithe of everything. That's everything in your life. He wants a tithe of your thoughts. He wants a tithe of your time. He wants to be to, for you to give all of these things to him first. He wants to be first in your life. In fact, if you check this out, in, in Deuteronomy 14, it tells us the purpose of tithing. It's not about the money. It ain't about the money, money, money. I don't know the next words, but I, it was just rolling through my head. I had to say it. I'm sorry. I don't even know if that's a bad song. I just know that part. <laughs> the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in what place? First, first place. It's about putting God in first place in your life. That's what's important. Yes, tithing helps move the church forward. Yes, it does. It helps us grow and expand and reach more people that are far from God. It's important, but it's not the purpose of it. Money isn't the only area that we consider giving, God, giving to God first. So here's four areas where you can give to God first. The first is the first of your year. Give, give to God the first of your year. We do that every year through 21 days of prayer and fasting, which, by the way, starts today. It's today, January 6th through the 26th. And I'm going to invite you to join me to give God the first part of your year. It's super important. And part of that journey means you looking at your life to rearrange it, to be able to say no to a whole bunch of things so that you can make sure you participate in this. So, so that you can say no to a late night, so that you get up early in the morning and give God the first part of your day and, and, and pray. So that you can say no to, to other events and, and, and where there's going to be cake, just in case you're fasting cake. But, but giving God the first of your year, you pre-decide you're going to do this, that no matter what, you're going to give God the first part of your year. I'm doing this too. The fact of the matter is, in order to give God the first, it's so important because I need God to show up this year. I can't do this on my own. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. You might think the opposite of me, but I'm not. I promise you. 
I need God's power and his spirit in my life. I need his wisdom and his guidance, or I can't do this. And I know you're in the same place. You need God. And this 21 days of prayer and fasting has literally been a game changer for our church. This is our third year of doing it. We didn't do it from the beginning. This May will be six years old. And this is our third year of doing it, and I'm going to tell you it has changed who we are as a church, and I need you to decide to do it with us. Not only the 21 days of prayer, which, by the way, the best way to participate with us is every morning at 6 a.m. throughout the week, we're going to post a prayer focus for you. It'll be posted up on our social media, and they'll tell you what we're praying for that day, and you can join us. You can spend some time with God and talk, about, talk, talk with him, but also pray over what we're praying for together as a group. But not only the 21 days of prayer, but we're doing 21 days of fasting. You say, Aaron, what's fasting? Well, I'll explain that in a second. If you need more resources on it after today, I want to encourage you to visit our website. There's, a, there's right on the home page, there's a slide, there's, a, there's an image that talks about 21 days of prayer. If you click on that, it'll take you to our resource page that has lots of information about fasting, even some recommendations for some good books. Um, but I, but I want to I tell you that this is an important part of your journey, and I want to invite you to join me in some way, shape, or form. And here's two minutes on what fasting is. Fasting is essentially giving something up in order to engage in something spiritual. So, so fasting looks like this. There are several fasts that are, that are available for you. It is, there's a complete fast that you can do. The complete fast is where you are going to eat nothing for 21 days, uh, and you're just going to drink water or maybe even fruit juice. And um, I know that this, this sounds really extreme. I've actually never done this one, just being honest with you. I've never done 21 days. You, some of you are looking at me going, no joke. <laughs> we knew that. <laughs> so, never, never done that. <clears throat> but... <laughs> But you can, you can do the complete fast, 21 days, and, um, and, and, and if you're going to consider this one, I want to encourage you, make sure that you talk to your doctor first about your medications and all those things before you decide to do that. A uh, second kind of fast is something called a selective fast, and you're, where, this is where you're going to choose to not eat certain kinds of foods. So, so maybe you fast coffee, or, 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 or you, you're going to fast pop, or you're going to fast sweets, or I, I've heard people say, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to fast the energy drinks that they normally drink. Uh, throughout the week, which, by the way, will save you a ton of money, too, to do that, but that's just, that's just a side benefit of that. But, but, but you can also do something called the Daniel Fast, where you're just eating fruits and vegetables for, for 21 days. That, that, that's a selective fast. Um, some of you are like, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and fast kale for the next 21 days, and I've been on that fast for like two years, so it's cool. Um, <laughs> then there's something called the Partial Fast. And the partial fast is, uh, is not like the selective fast. Selective is I'm not going to eat certain kinds of food. Partial fast is I'm going to fast a meal. Or I'm going um, to fast two meals. That, that's the Jewish fast. If you, uh, if you fast breakfast and lunch and then just eat the evening meal, which means you, you can eat whatever you want to. You're just going to eat the one time uh, throughout the day. And then the last one is what's called a soul fast. And this one's different. This isn't, doesn't have anything to do with food. This is about what you're putting into your, into your mind through your eyes and your ears, what you're listening to, what you're watching, and, and what you're giving your time to. And, uh, and it's important that you know that, that the things that you can fast on this plan is social media. You can fast TV. That's what we're doing in our house. We're completely turning the TV off, and I'm off social media for the next 21 days. Um, you, you can fast types of music, t- turn off movies. There's a lot of ways to do this. Just, just cutting out the clutter and the noise of the world around you so that you can take time to tune into what God's speaking to you and 
and what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you. It, it's important. And I think, I think based on this, that what's available here, I think everybody here can participate in some way, shape, or form. Whether, whether it's food or a soul fast, I, I, I think you, everybody can participate, and I would love for you to plan on doing that. Give God the first part of your year. The second way you can give, give God first is uh, the first of your month. This is by taking a look at your life and basically looking at your scheduling and your budgeting. Look at your scheduling and your budgeting before it happens and say, is there anything that I'm going to try to put on the schedule that's going to keep me from taking this journey? Are there weekends away? Are there, uh, you know, are there some Sundays that I'm, the, what, what activities are going to try to take over and then saying no to them? What, what kind of things are, or events are going to try to get in the way of, of me being able to give to God or to serve on a team or to complete the growth track or do the journey? Looking at your scheduling and budgeting, deciding that nothing is going to keep you from taking the journey is the most important thing. Because believe it or not, people start out on a journey and then life happens. You know, the kids want to do, they want to do sporting events. And so they decide, well, well one, of the, one of the things that I can give up is Sunday morning service. <laughs> and yet that's one of the healthiest things that's part of their life. And they they just stop going to church, they stop serving, they stop being a part of community, they bow out of grow groups because, well, that's the nights that my, my kids have sports, and instead of maintaining healthy ways and finding a way to do that, they, they, they dip out of the things that brought them health in the first place because we, we forget. We start experiencing health and it's just part of the cycle. We forget, right? We return to some old ways. So let's be committed to the journey. You look at your schedule and your budgeting, make sure that you can, you can honor it. The third area is the first of your week. The first of your week, they used to, the Christian, early Christians used to gather on a Saturday because that was the Sabbath. That's the day that they would rest. But after the resurrection happened, they said, hey, let's switch all this celebration over to Sunday. So it's not the last day of the week. It's the first day of the week. And so they, they said, let's not end it. Let's begin it with God. And so that's what you can do. You can give the first day of your week to God. And I don't just mean coming to church on Sunday morning, although that's the encouragement here. I mean, honestly, what would your life look like if you came to church 52 weeks out of the year? It'd be a lot better, I promise you. Your relationships would be a lot stronger. Your walk with God would be a lot stronger. And every area of your life can be transformed. I just, I just promise you. But I'm not even just talking about that. I'm more talking about worshiping and resting. Worshiping, resting. Finding time to worship, but also taking time to rest. You know, my parents modeled this for me brilliantly when I was younger. We'd go to church, we'd come home, have a meal, and everybody in the house took a nap. <laughs> Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. I love naps. <laughs> when you're a parent of three kids, naps are a wonderful thing, right? Can I get a better amen than that? Yeah. Bless God, I love my kids, but I love a nap too. I love space. Get a nap. Have a good meal. Give the whole day to God, not just Sunday morning. Some of you are like, well, I got work to do. Listen, I'm going to challenge you. Set the, set the work aside. Take a day of rest. Take a day of rest and get to a place where you trust that God can do more with six days than you could ever do with seven days. Take a rest. Worship and rest. Give God the first of your week. And the last one is give God the first of your day. Give him the first of your day. You know, many of you, you, you use your phones as your alarm. It's right next to your bed. You stay up late, staring at it, and it's the first thing you stare at when you get up in the morning, partially because you got to turn off that alarm. But as soon as you turn off that alarm, the next thing you do is swipe. You find your Instagram. You find your Facebook. 
and then you find you've laid in bed for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, or an hour just doing this, and you've just given the first part of your day to a device and social media that will not love you back. Oh, that hurt a little bit, huh? I am so sorry. <laughs> Last year, I gave this challenge. When you wake up in the morning, let God be the first thoughts that you have. Just say, good morning, Father. Thank you for this day. Just give him the first words. Give him the first few moments. My buddy Greg took that challenge, and he said, Aaron, he said, before my feet hit the floor in the morning, he said, I'm talking to God. He said, it's made all the difference in my day and his awareness of God and his presence in his life. It'll shift everything if before you check your phone, before you do anything, you speak to God. So how do you give your fir the first of your day to God? It's simple. You spend time with him, talking to him. There's, there's three ways to do, three, three things that I'm going to tell you. It's called the first 15. If you can take 15 minutes out of your day to do this right here. You ready for it? It's simple. It's easy. First five minutes, spend time in the Word. Open the Bible. We have something called the one-year Bible reading plan in our app. Yes, Simple Church has an app. Go to the, your app store and download. Simple, go to look for Simple Church Ohio, and you can find our app. Within that, there's Bible reading plans. And if you join the one-year Bible, whenever you decide to join, you'll be reading the same thing I'm reading every day. Same thing my wife, same thing some of my, many of my leaders are reading every single day. It gives you selections of, of scripture verses so that you can get through the entire Bible in one year. It'll take you five minutes. The next five minutes in your first 15 is to spend five minutes in worship. Turn on a song. Maybe you're not, maybe you're, you're, you're like a lot of people. You're like, I'm just not very emotional. Guys, like, I'm just not very emotional. I love yous are, are few and far between, and I don't really know how to express emotions. So, so turn on a worship song and let, let somebody express it for you. Sing with it or just sit and reflect on the words. Spend five minutes listening to a song and just focus on God. And then spend your last five minutes in prayer. And during these 21 days of prayer, this is what I'm asking you to do. And then beyond it as well. Give your first 15 minutes to God. Talk to him. Pray. If you don't know how to pray, on our website and on our app, I have a prayer guide that is there for you. I've actually ordered them in print too, but they haven't arrived yet. I'll let you know when they do, and they'll be available at the Connect Center for you to pick up. But it walks you through how to pray. If that still isn't helpful to you, come on the last Sunday of the month. We have prayer right here in this church. And you can come in, and we'll walk you through an hour of prayer. We'll teach you how to pray. I want you to know how to do that. I don't want you to be intimidated by that. But join us for prayer, and then watch the daily focuses that get posted up, and you can join us and pray with us. It's not easy, but nothing easy is worth having. Amen? We need some uphill habits. And here's the thing. If you give God the first, if you make him first and give him the first of everything, here's what you can expect. You can expect God to bless the rest. Because that's who God is. When you make him a priority, he blesses the rest of it. He blesses your time. He blesses your resources, your finances, your talents. He even blesses your thoughts if you give him the first thoughts of the day. He'll bless it. Some of your greatest, some of my greatest, the greatest wisdom that, that you would say, Aaron, that's really wise of you. I'm going to tell you, do you know where that, that wisdom came from? A time of prayer. 
It was something the Holy Spirit spoke to me and led me to love my family different, to love my spouse. There, there was a time, I, 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 briefly, there was a time my wife and I went through a rough patch over something that happened to us, and I didn't realize that I was a total jerk through the whole situation. Two years later, the Holy Spirit speaks something to me. And I lean over and say, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was a jerk. Instant tears and restoration. She'd been holding something against me for two years. So that was really insightful of you, Aaron. No, it wasn't. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And he'll speak to you too. If you'll listen. Proverbs 3 says this, In all your ways acknowledge him. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with all the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barn will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. If you put God first, you can expect his blessing on everything else. Let's pray. That kind of life can be your life today. You can experience a life where God blesses every area of it, where he adds his power to it. You just need to make him first. And so God, in this moment, I just pray. I pray for us and and I join everyone here and I just say, God, we declare our dependence on you. We give you our first and God, we have an expectation that you will bless the rest. We pray in 2019, Lord, that you would do something incredible among us as we honor you and begin our year and give you the first part of it through 21 days of prayer and fasting. Lord, I pray for breakthroughs in so many people's in so many areas of people's lives, Lord, in their marriages, in their finances, in their careers, and maybe even things, areas of addiction and brokenness, Lord, that they've experienced that they've fought with for so long. I pray that as they make you first, God, Lord, you would give them power to be transformed from the inside out. And as we continue to pray in this moment. There are people here in this room that God is somewhere on your list or maybe he's not on your list at all, but you're ready ready to shift that. If he's not on your list, you're ready to have him be number one. If he's somewhere, been somewhere else on your list and you're ready to repent and make him number one, this moment is for you. We do that simply by accepting Jesus. Say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. That means he's number one. He's in charge of everything. And if you're here today and you're ready to do that, to have Jesus be Lord, to put God first. I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you're here and you're ready to do that today, would you just slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me. Would you do that now? That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's hands up all over this room. So proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Church, will you join me in this prayer and join those that are going to join this? Join me in this prayer? I, say, Jesus, Forgive me for having other things first. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for my sins. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Show me how to serve you with all my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.